Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The world of football. Hitting the back of the net every week on Extra Time. Needless to say, the beast was stunned. A whip crack went his trumpet tail, and the beast was done. He asked us, Be you angels? And we said, Nay, we are but men. Yes, it is the SNZ Extra Time, and of course, uh, uh, it's the uh, best song in the world, uh, but it's not that actually that song because I can't remember it. So that is just a, a tribute to the best song in the world, obviously, which is fantastic. Have you have you have you seen the pick of destiny, Jacob Spoonley? Let's let's start our, our football segment on a high. Let's talk about Tenacious D. I haven't seen the pick of destiny, but I, I do love Tenacious D, and I did see Jack Black doing wonderful things during lockdown, including that Spider Man remix. I think it was, oh, not a remix, but the um, the tribute as well. Yeah, an absolutely um, amazing human being, that man. Yeah, he is a very funny man. I saw them. Uh, he was out here, I think, filming King Kong, and he did. And he <laughs> and he, I ran, I ran into him. I don't know him, but I just it was one of those randoms. I was working in Ponsonby, and he was sat out the front of a cafe, just on the side of the street, having a coffee. And you know, he's kind of got one of those recognisable faces. So I said hi to him before I realised who it was, just thinking, oh, I know that guy. Of course, and you know, something that's amazing. A- I don't know if I'm going to get all the details right, but his mum wrote the code for Apollo 11 wow. to get them back into the atmosphere. She wrote the distress code or something like that. So when it went horribly wrong and you saw Tom Hanks reenacting it, yeah, that was Jack Black's mum that was in charge of the code that got the space shuttle back down to Earth. Wow. There you go. That's a, that's a great piece of trivia. Did not did not know that. Well done, Jacob Spoonley. Yeah, and then she uh, produced Jack Black. So you know, yeah, it's it's, it's win win, <laughs> win win. Um, I also, they, I think when they were out here, they did a show at the St James before the St James could close oh. down. Yeah, great stuff. Anyway, we got you in, mate. Thanks for coming and uh, to talk some uh, talk some football for the next couple of hours. Plenty to talk, and you brought us in a, a shirt as well. Tell us about the shirt that you've brought in for us to give away. Well, the All Whites uh, are moving into their next iteration of kit uh, and it is a wonderful kit that they've had over the past couple of years from Nike so um, I'm not sure when exactly we'll see it but a home game would probably be the obvious time to start in September potentially um, and what we've got there is a shirt that was worn by the likes of Costa Barbarossa's Chris Wood um, back I think in the, around about the Peru game so it's a black kit it's one to give away I think you know we've got to make a, a wonderful 
job of promoting this game against the Socceroos. First time that we're playing them in 11 years. First home game in, I think, four or five years, Ricardo. And this is something that we should be doing every year or every second year up against the boys in the green and gold. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful game to be a part of. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to being at Eden Park to see the the All-Whites take on the Socceroos. Here we go. And this one could, could be one for Mr Francis there as well. Trivia yeah. time. When yeah. was the last time they played in Eden Park, Ricardo? Open-ended question. I don't have the answer. I think uh, there was a game in the early to mid-80s at Eden Park, potentially against Israel, I think. Okay. Uh, for the Back when Israel was in Oceania. Yeah, of, because yeah, that makes bizarrely. all the sense of the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think it, would, so it might have been around 85, somewhere around there. Someone said that Noel Barkley might have played in the game. So, so that timing works. Yeah, maybe, maybe. That's yeah. And that's the only connection I've got to their last game at Eden Park. But it gives you another idea of how we don't play football, international football regularly down this part of the world. Yeah, I, I remember going and seeing us play Israel in a World Cup qualifier as a kid. And uh, Ronnie Rosenthal, who used to play for Liverpool, was in the Israel team, and Winton Rufa was playing for the All Whites. And when, I think we won, from, I'm trying to remember, I'm pretty sure we won 3-1, and Winton scored two, and one of them was a blinder from outside the area. Oh, it sounds like Winton, doesn't it? It does, it does. But I, I, I still think that that was at Mount Smart rather than at Eden Park, so might have to check our dates. Might have to check, or I might have to check my head. One of, <laughs> one of the two, mate. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Um, now, we do have Gordon Glenn Watson coming on the show in around 10 minutes' time because, of course, he's affiliated with Auckland City, runs all their media as well. And, man, what a season they have had. Uh, I think I've got this right. They have played something like 25 games yes. and won 24 and drawn one. Yes. So unbeaten this calendar year. And the game that they drew was against Hamilton, Hamilton Wanderers mm. back in round three of the Northern League. So they're not quite done with the season yet. They've got to go and play the National League. But they've basically been on absolute tear since round three of the National League. Yeah, which uh, is... Northern League. Northern League, yeah. Now, um, one thing I did want to clear up, because uh, I was talking about this, teasing this, uh, is the National League, and you, you're probably the man to do it, in terms of the format and how it works. I think from memory, what will happen is that... I expected the start to be a lot stronger. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of football going on at the moment, Ricardo, so you're going to have to bear with me. Sure. We've got the Ferns this weekend. We've got the All-Whites coming back in at the end of next month. We've got A-League um, men's starting in October shortly after the All-Whites game. We've got A-League women starting shortly thereafter that. We've got EPL. We've got Danish Super League at the moment with a whole bunch of Kiwis in there. So I've got quite a bit on the plate, but I think what will happen is that we will see four teams from the Northern League, four teams from the Central League, and I believe it is two teams from the Southern League competing Mm -hmm. in a homogenized version of the regional leagues, which will be the National League. And as part of that, we will have the likes of Birkenhead United, Auckland City FC, Melville from the Waikato, uh, Auckland United, uh, and then we've also got Wellington Olympic, um, the Wellington Phoenix Reserves, I believe, mm-hmm. Miramar and yep. Napier City, and Strong. then Kashmir Tech and Canterbury United from the southern region. Yeah, well, that is it's going to be a pretty strong league, and you know what stands came home at, strong there, Ricardo. Yeah, you did. What 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 does stand out to me from a northern league point of view is the geographical spread. You've got a team from the North Shore, yes, in Birkenhead. You've got Auckland City, who are a central team, Auckland United, who are a South Auckland team, and then a team out of Hamilton. That seems to be a really good representation of the North. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And I think that is the way to you want to see this sort of stuff play out. Eastern Suburbs missed out, and we'll get on to them in a second. But um, it is exactly what you want to see. You want to see that North Shore representation. You want to see the Central Auckland representation. And then you want to see someone from South Auckland. Um, and then if you have to, you know, Hamilton Wanderer. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, it was them or Melville. I mean, uh, until, until Tauranga City get it together and get up there, you know, we're going to have to deal with they that. They pushed for promotion out of the Div 1 this year. So you might see them knocking around. They've got... Um, they're starting to really put a lot of investment into their youth development, so they've got a good generation of players coming through. They were always strong with youth development, but then they would lose the players somewhere for tertiary. Wellington Phoenix, Raleigh Bidois. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's, I mean, when I was living down there in the mid '90s, there were a lot of good players that came out of there and then ended up playing for Waikato or would yep. end up in Auckland playing for somebody else. You know, so it is uh, has no been... Gisborne Thistle this year, though, Ricardo. Unfortunate, unfortunate, no Gisborne Thistle. Oh, they, they're the stories they wrote. Of course, we should talk Chatham Cup as well uh, because that is next weekend yes. and it is two Auckland teams in the Chatham Cup final, Auckland City and Eastern Suburbs. So Eastern Suburbs last tilt at winning some silverware. Eastern Suburbs last tilt at winning some silverware, absolutely. They haven't performed in the Northern League this year, so they haven't got qualification to the National League. We would have expected them to be in the conversation, but they kind of fell off quite early. And the reason for that was a pretty unlucky combination of injuries. So they, they didn't have key players but we have seen since Kane Wintersgill came back from um, being part of the all-white squad, a more resolute, a more robust defensive display from Eastern Suburbs. And you'd look at the Chatham Cup final on paper, Auckland City up against Eastern Suburbs. Auckland City, as we said, haven't lost a game this year. They have drawn only one of their 25 fixtures. They have scored 23 goals in five matches in the Chatham Cup, only conceding three. You'd expect this to be an absolute blowout. Um, But, and the only caveat against that is that this is a final. This is finals football. It's 90 minutes. It's do or die. And this Eastern Suburbs team has demonstrated over the course of their Chatham Cup run that they do know how to buck the trend. They do know how to upset the apple cart, and they will be an absolute headache to deal with from Auckland City's point of view. And the other thing is, unlike the Northern League or the National League, there is no limit on the amount of foreigners you can have, and both suburbs and Auckland City have more than their fair share on the books. Yeah, it is true. And um, if you do want to look at the quality that both sides possess, uh, a lot of that is local. So like Sir Calvin Carlo, Joe Knowles and Goal, who's uh, along with um, Ayan Raj, is part of the under-20 setup at the moment, and they did play Fiji today. So um, it is a youthful-looking Eastern Suburb side, but you're right, the quality for both teams... Um, there's a little bit of sprinkling of like some exoticness to it. So Adam Thurston, for example, um, he's going to be the main target for Eastern Suburbs. Stephen Hoyle, um, as much as I love the man, potentially not the threat that he used to be. So they will look to Adam Thurston to try and unlock the Auckland City defence, potentially hit them on the counter at times. But then if you look at Auckland City, Emiliano Tade, really hard to go past the quality that that man possesses. Um, So he's going to be the talisman for this Auckland City side. We've seen him with late cameos coming off the bench, 70, 80 minutes. And when the game is that, when it's so developed, you do see Emmy getting a lot of time and space, which is where he is very dangerous. I'll tell you what, the boss could do a job with the boots on still too, probably. Boss the middle of the park. Are you talking about Mr. Visilich? Yes. (laughs) 
Had him in the office today, not moving as freely as he used to be, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, the godfather. It's, it's, it's too many late nights at Gina's. That's what it is. That's what it is. There you go. Gigi's and Gina's. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it is 11 past eight here on SENZ Extra Time, uh, the world of football. We are looking at it, Jacob Spoonley and I. Uh, through till 10 o'clock tonight when we come back, Gordon Glenn Watson joins us. Uh, we're going to talk some Auckland City. We might even talk a little bit of spite in the Champions League between Glasgow Rangers and Liverpool. Had a busy day? Catch up on what you've missed in the world of sport. It's Extra Time on SENZ. It's 16 past eight here on the World of Football on SENZ with Ricardo Ball and Jacob Spoonley. Text us through any questions you've got for any of our guests or for Jacob or for myself. Everybody that texts through goes in the draw to win this uh, black. It's the black away kit uh, from Nike for New Zealand with the ferns down the sleeves. Text us your seat number. We all know that you've already bought tickets, right, Ricardo. I okay. think that's what we're going for. Text us your seat number. Where are you going to be sitting for the game between the All Whites and the Socceroos on the 25th of September? A man that I know that will probably be there. He is our halftime correspondent live from Seddon Field, uh, Western Springs, taking on <laughs> Auckland City. Gordon Glenn Watson, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Uh, how are you both? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. What's the score at halftime? Uh, Western Springs nil, Auckland City four. Ooh. Are you warming up, mate? Or they, they might, they might, they might decide to rest a few for the weekend and give you a run. Oh no, no, no! We we, we gave up on that uh, particular fantasy uh, over a decade ago. I'm pretty sure, but uh, yeah, look, it's been a good performance by Auckland City. There's five key players that aren't involved. Uh, Cam Howison is one. He's suspended. Dylan Manikin is carrying an injury. Ryan DeVries as well. Angus Kilcolly, as we know, is a long-term absentee. So. Yeah, players are putting up their hands for the Chatham Cup final on September 11. And what a, what a game is going to be, Gordon. How much focus has there been on that match at this point, in particular given that it's up against Eastern Suburbs? Well, the players obviously had a, a very intensive last couple of months, uh, 14 games in eight weeks, which is a pretty hectic schedule, as you can imagine. You can also see that there's some wear and tear in the squad uh, with the lineup that's been picked today. So they've only just gone back into training. They've got uh, the second half of this game to get through and then they play Auckland United on Saturday, which is going to be a massive game for both clubs. And then there's a full week to prepare for uh, the cup final. And yeah, they're very focused. They're taking uh, this game with, with Springs and, and the derby with Auckland United very, very seriously. And as you know yourself, as uh, a former central and uh, Auckland City player that, you know, the competition for places always keeps everyone on their toes. Gordon, what's it meant uh, for Albert and Ivan um, putting this team together with the restrictions in the league in terms of the number of imports you're allowed to field, having injuries to guys like Dylan and Cam, because I imagine those guys are two of the first names on the team sheet uh, when it comes to putting a team together, and of course they are two of the Kiwis. Well, look, I mean, it's the exact same question almost, uh, of, of Albert very recently for um, internal club media and he said to me, look, the players have been training as a group since last November because there was a potential to go to a Club World Cup and he said preparation, he said these players are prepared, they are ready and he said when we have injuries, we now have players who have got so many minutes under their belt that they can just step in 
Um, and, and you get that extra edge because of the incentive of playing in the Champions Cup final. For many of them, uh, for example, Ryan DeVries, he hasn't won it before. So I know that he has been saying to some of the other players that, you know, come on, we've got to put this uh, particular situation right and standing in front of them is an eastern suburb side that has improved rapidly since the middle part of the season. Yeah, they have. Uh, mate, I, I guess the uh, the other part too uh, that you've got to think about is that the eastern suburb side that they'll play in the Cup is probably going to look quite different to the eastern suburb side they will have played in the league due to the fact that you don't have that restriction on imports in the Cup. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, th- I think for both clubs anyway, you have uh, squads that are, are fairly settled. You know, they're, they're all mainly Kiwi players anyway. I think with the exception of... Angel Belanga and Jared Gariga and Emi Tade, I think, out of the 24. Uh, it'll be the same for Eastern Suburbs. I think they are coming into the game and they get a free hit. Uh, if you look at the, the way that they were tracking in the first part of the season, it didn't look good. Uh, it didn't look good for their under-23s, but with the return of Kane Winderskill, um, the addition of one or two uh, extra players uh, that came in partway through the year, they've slowly but surely come come along and look I, I still think that Eastern Suburbs will have to play you know everyone will have to play a 9 out of 10 on the day and Auckland will have to have an um, off day but again you know how, how many times have we seen in a Challenge Cup final uh, the game go all the way to penalties or there be you know six goals in a 3-3 draw type scenario so it's one to look forward to. And just looking at the season overall at the moment Gordy in the cup alone, 23 goals and only three conceded in five games. 25-odd games played, 19, uh, 24 wins, one draw. That is an absolute behemoth of a season for a juggernaut of a team. How has Albert been able to keep standards up so high for so long? I think because he, he has set standards himself. I mean, when Albert Riera speaks, you listen. And he's been very direct with these players. When they haven't been performing, he tells them. And he tells them on club media. Uh, I recall a game, we went down to Melville. We uh, were, Auckland City were winning 1-0. They conceded a penalty in the last minute. Connor Tracy saved it. I asked Albert, you know, what did you think of that? You've come away with three points. And he said, well, we came away with three points, but we didn't play well. And that performance was unacceptable. And he said, I told the players on Thursday when they were training that if they trained or played as badly as they were training that particular night, then, you know, we would somewhere along the line come a cropper and lose a match. And the players respect him. Uh, They respond to what he's got to say. He's very empathetic. He's a good man manager. But he's also honest. He's honest. And I think the players understand that honesty, Um, particularly coming from a player who's played against Juventus, played... Um, for the A-League All-Stars and the A-League for, for many, many years and, and also a very decorated uh, Auckland City FC player. So, look, I think Albert Riera can go a very long way in the game as far as he wants to go. It's really going to be up to him. Uh, you forgot to mention that he also played with Jacob Spoonley, Gordon Glenn Watson. <laughs> <laughs> um, inter- well, we tried to look forward to Jake as much as we I get that answer a lot, Gordon, for some reason. Um, hey, we've we've spoken quite a bit before you came on about the players that are the ones to watch out for, particularly those uh, not from New Zealand. Are there any young Kiwis in this Auckland City side that are worth looking out for on the 11th of September? 
Yeah, I think Matt Ellis has got a really good case to be included. Um, Matt Ellis has been to the United States. He went there through the Stride program. It didn't work out first time around. He came back to Auckland City. Uh, his goals to game ratio is incredible, really. Like, uh, I've been covering the club uh, on and off uh, over an 18-year period, and his goals to game ratio, I think it's 50%. He's played now nearly 18 games for the club and scored nine goals. Uh, he's been among the goals uh, this evening as well. He's got beautiful ball craft. When he has the ball at feet and he's moving at pace, he can break from midfield, break defensive lines, and come up with a finish. And at Auckland City, and you'll remember this, Jacob, when you have those three players in midfield, they're not really expected to come up with a lot of goals. So if you do possess one like that, it's a very special quality to have. And uh, he's very different to Cam House. And Cam is more, uh, you know, he brings more physicality and, and uh, experience to that midfield. But Matt Ellis on his day is uh, quite an exciting player. Another one I'd like to mention is uh, the emergence of a, a youngster from the under-23s called Adam Bell. Adam made his debut for the club uh, as a substitute in the Chatham Cup, and then he has just started his first game for the club this evening. I've had the privilege to watch Adam develop and play in the Lotto NRFL under-23 Prem division, and he's he's a very good young player. I know that Albert Riera uh, rates him very, very highly. I think the Chatham Cup final might come... Uh, a little bit too quickly for, for Adam, but certainly um, he's one to keep an eye on in the future. And, and Matt Ellis, who knows, we'll have to wait and see what uh, squad uh, Albert comes up with in, in that final week. And what about Joseph Lee? He's been playing on the right wing, a left footer. Seems to be one that Albert really rates because he's mixing it up with the likes of Ryan DeFries, Dylan Manikam, and sometimes keeping Emi Tade on the bench. Yeah, well, Joe plays wide in, in the front three. He's, he can swap flanks, but he came to the club via North Shore United where he had played mainly through the middle, even as a central midfielder. So there's been a period of adaptation, and I know Riera has worked very closely with Joe Lee to help him through that transformation. And yes, in a team that's very successful, that has a very defined style of play, that is very focused on attacking teams, a player like Joe Lee has really thrived. Perhaps where he got his first real big test was in the OFC Champions League, and I think he found the physicality and the intensity of international competition a real eye-opener. Um, but nevertheless, I, I, I believe uh, Albert Riera will, will keep the faith with him for sure. And look, he's, he started, I think, 27 games this season, so for sure he'll be in the uh, mix to start against Eastern Suburbs. Uh, Gordon, I know you, you're, you're uh, pressed for time because you're, you're covering a game that's at half time. That's why we've rung you when we've rung you. Uh, but before we yeah. do uh, move on, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, you know the, the true blue that you are, uh, your reaction to the, <laughs> the, the Champions League draw, not just yourselves, of course, but uh, your crosstown rivals, uh, both in the group stage of the Champions League for the first time in 12 years, uh, and you draw uh, some pin-top uh, tin pot team from Liverpool. You should feel um, very privileged, Gordy. <laughs> you should feel very privileged. You get to come to Anfield. It's going to be good, mate. You, get, you obviously already See, banked I, six I, points. I like How do you Jacob, feel about it? <laughs> look, I, I like it when Jacob talks like that, you know, and he starts to make out that this is a kind of a royalty thing because when you come up to Glasgow <laughs> well, and we get a free hit at Liverpool, uh, you better brace yourself. And look, I, you know, I say that as a joke, but in all seriousness, you know, Celtic versus Real Madrid in the opening game of their group, look, no matter what happens in that game, regardless of whether 
uh, Celtic win or lose, the atmosphere is going to be fantastic. And uh, the same will be uh, true of the, the two games between Rangers and Liverpool. I think from a Rangers point of view, the games with Napoli and, and Ajax are vital. But I, I've got some faith there. I think uh, Ibrox will be tough for Napoli. I think Ajax will find it tough. I think Rangers will travel well to Ajax. And I just wish as a fan, if I can say this, I just wish that Rangers were playing Liverpool at Ibrox first because I think if they could get that game under their belt and have a really good night, then going down to Anfield's a lot easier. But having that first up is really tough. For Celtic, yeah, uh, look, they have a particular style of play where they leave it all out on the park in that first half hour. And if they don't score a few goals in that half hour, then it's very difficult for them. It's worked, um, though, Cordy. Oh, well, in that Champions League group, if you're going to play like that against those teams, um, yeah, we'll see. But Postacoglu is doing a good job. I, I can't begrudge uh, Ange Postacoglu compliments for that. He's, uh, you know, defied all the expectations. Um, and it's going to be close in Scotland again, really close. And, and the, I want to add as well, Hearts are in the uh, Conference League group stages after they... Uh, got through their uh, qualifying playoff uh, with, a, with a Swiss team. So it's good for Scottish football uh, to see the top three clubs there. And it all came about as a result of the coefficient. And, uh, you know, you can thank Rangers for that, for getting to the Europa League last season. Yeah, that's 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 massive. I'll tell you, the other piece of news I saw, uh, Gordy, I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but it's very strong rumour that uh, one Duncan Disorderly Ferguson is going to be the new boss at Dundee <laughs> United. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad... Uh, I'd be glad for uh, Dundee United if he went there. You know, he's at a good point in his life, uh, in his late 40s. Uh, I think he'd be ready to take on a job of that type. Uh, not the Duncan disorderly of maybe 20 years ago. Um, but he's got a lot of good uh, reps when he stepped into the breach at Everton. So uh, perhaps we'll see the emergence of uh, Duncan Ferguson, the manager, in his own right in the SPFL. Oh, yeah, I can, and I can tell you too, mate, don't worry about going to Anfield. Um, their right-back's always out of position, so just bomb there. Uh, their centre-back's <laughs> I'm going to jump in. You cannot pace. talk about Champions League football, <laughs> Ricardo Ball. <laughs> European, proper European <laughs> nights, Gordy, mate. You and me. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair point. I'm sorry, Rick. They've got, they've got nothing on the left now that are Solbane, mate. You know, they're just chances. And even the bloke on the right's gone off the boil. I mean, win 9 nil, he can't even get an assist. So hook him, he's doing nothing, that Salah bloke. So, mate, you've got nothing to worry about. Gordy, don't worry about it. It's all good. Well, look, I am rather worried because both Liverpool and Celtic have beaten teams 9 nil, and we've got Celtic on, on uh, Sunday in the first old firm game of the season. Uh, I'm sorry, on Saturday, Saturday night. So um, at Parkhead, that'll be a difficult game, but it'll be a good sighter uh, for what's to come for the rest of the season. Yeah, it will be, mate. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on. I know the teams will be just about out, and you'll have to get back to uh, your, your job as media manager for uh, Auckland City, but I appreciate you giving us some time, mate. Thanks, Gordy. No, pleasure as always. Cheers, mate. Uh, Gordon Glenn Watson there giving us some insight into Auckland City and also uh, Glasgow Rangers as well. Um, yeah, I thought that'd be it was interesting. Hey, Duncan Ferguson was number two at Everton for so long, former Rangers player as well. But uh, yeah, looking like he's going to be in charge of a bunch of Aussies at, <laughs> at Dundee United. I'll, I wonder how Colin Kukovic is feeling about that. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, a, a really cosmopolitan mix of fans at Auckland City, Colin Cook. Um, not Croatian, uh, but uh, definitely part of the infrastructure there and a Dundee United man. So I don't think he would have been happy about Mark Berrigetti liking the Joe Hart post after they lost 9-0. That was not 
a good step from the young man. Yeah, and who else have they got there? Who's the left back? As is Bayic has gone there as well. Bayic has gone there as well. There was a he? mass, mass Aussie migration into the SPFL. Atkinson um, joined Devlin uh, at Hearts. Um, there's one that I'm missing out there. Um, Kai Rolls is in the back line at Hearts as well. And then you look at the likes of um, Bacchus, who had an immediate impact at St. Mirren. Um, it, it is really a good uh, thing for football in this part of the world because it will mean that there's more eyeballs on the A-League because if they're producing over there, they'll come back to the well. Yeah, and i tell you, the thing that has surprised me this season, and we'll get to we'll talk more about the Phoenix in a bit, in a bit but how is Ollie Sale not somewhere else? Because I thought that he was gone for all money. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. There was a lot of interest in him, and I think... What people don't always appreciate is that there there are plans that are put in place. This is a business, and um, sometimes the dominoes don't quite fall in your favour, um, but that doesn't mean that Ollie's chances by any means gone. He is still looked at very favourably, and I think it's going to come about sooner rather than later. Um, if, if And I haven't heard any updates on this, Ricardo. This is purely my speculation. I think the one thing that really did hamstring him was the game in against Peru in Spain. Yep. He didn't uh, have a great game, which was capped off by that mistake. And that wouldn't have been a good um, <clears throat> capturing of the moment by him. And then against Costa Rica in a match, what was it, 100 and something versus 32? Yep. You expect him to be busy? Had nothing to do. True. So that's one where there's probably more head scratches or maybe like they didn't see the answers that they were hoping for as part of that 180 minutes package. Uh, but hopefully he comes back and has a good set of games against Australia at the end of next month. Yeah, fingers crossed. The Phoenix starting 11 has been announced for the cup game tonight against MacArthur as well. Ollie Sale is in goal. Uh, the back four is Callan Elliott, Josh Laws, Scott Wooten and Sam Sutton. Midfield is Clayton Lewis and Nicholas Pennington. He's got... Ben Old and uh, Bozadir Krayev ahead of, uh, ahead of uh, that midfield. And then up front, Ben Wayne, Costa Barbarousas on the bench. Alex Paulson, Finn Suman, Tim Payne, Oscar Van Haddam, uh, Jan Saas, Noah uh, Karanarat and Riley Bidwar. That is the Phoenix team for uh, tonight. We'll talk more about that game in a little bit with Jordan Canelis, SEN A-League commentator after 9 o'clock. Up next, though, Stephen Hoyle joins us out of Eastern Suburbs. 22 minutes away from 9 here on SENZ, the world of football. Ricardo Ball, Jacob Spoonley with you and joining us out of Eastern Suburbs, Chatham Cup finalist is Stephen Hoyle. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Matt. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Thanks for giving us some time tonight. Are you, you managed, has this got you out of the warm-down laps at training? No, no, quite the opposite. Hoyle doesn't train anymore, mate. His body can't (laughs) take it. He just plays 90 minutes to 90 minutes. I just wait for the cup games, but you're you're absolutely lucky. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a a Jacob knows. I've got a form on fold at home, so if it was another 10 minutes, I'd have probably been asleep. So you've got (laughs) just before bed, so that's all right. Uh, Good stuff, Hoyle. Now, uh, things, of course, uh, at Suburbs um, haven't had the best of seasons, I guess, in the Northern Prem, but you've had a, a great cup run. Uh, so I guess it's it's, it's a bit uh, all on the line for you next weekend, isn't it? Your last chance to grab some silverware for the season? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super exciting to have a, a good cup run. Obviously, we were quite frustrated this year with, uh, I think, the amount of injuries and stuff we picked up to, I think, as more senior players. So it's nice to kind of be getting those lads back now for the, for the cup games and we'll charge into next week. It's going to be a a bit weird for a lot of us because it's a long, a long break with no, no national league for us, no summer footy. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do as best next weekend. 
Now we'll just pause on looking forward to the final and look back towards the semi-final, Hoyley. Uh, and I'm just going to ask you point blank. Was that a penalty? Of course it was, because I played three games away. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen the game, there was a, a call around about the 60-minute mark where um, there was a tackle. looked like to me about, to be about a metre outside the box, but it was ultimately given a penalty. Um, and that is history. But what was a really cool moment, Hoyley, was at the end of the game when you guys were almost out on your feet. You defended so well for the... 30-minute period that was left in the match to keep that win. And once the ref, once the whistle had le- left the referee's lips, you had all the junior players run onto the field, mate. That must have been a fairly special moment. Yeah, it was, was super, super cool. Like, um, obviously, a lot, of the, a lot of the junior players from the club were there watching. And um, then, then to do that after, it was, it, was a, it was a real special feeling. And then um, we actually went into the changing room and we have a couple of sort of songs and a couple of members of staff will not be named. We're doing the best to not let the kids into the changing room while I was doing the best to let the kids into the changing room. And then we ended up with about 100 kids in there all singing and dancing as well. So it was it was a it was a whole lot of fun after the game, definitely. Well, let's talk about the staff members and Kane Wintersgill, mate. So um, has he been a bit of the change to the team since coming back in from All Whites duty off the back of the Costa Rica match? Um, yeah, well, Kane obviously has a lot of quality in terms of um, like his tactical analysis setting teams up to play. So I, I, it, I doing tactics all week. I'm sure it's going to be very, very heavy next week. I prefer me small-sided games, mate, and a few juggles in the warm-up. But he's, you don't he, have the attention span, Hoyley? Is that what you're saying? No, not, not at all. <laughs> he, he, actually laughs, he actually laughs about how long he's got me for when, when, we, when we're doing video reviews and stuff. But he's, um, no, on, on, in terms of his detail and his, and his quality in terms of setting a team up, he's, he's very, very good. And, and obviously, I think, I think you can see... The results we've had since he's come in, he's, he's definitely helped us as a, as a team. And looking at what you've got on the pitch, so obviously Kane's going to set you up to frustrate Auckland City. They are, as we mentioned earlier in the hour, a bit of a juggernaut. Who is he going to rely on? Who are the standout players in this Eastern Suburbs team that are going to either stop Auckland City or cause them a threat at the other end of the field? Well, I think I think obviously the brother-in-law, Adam Thurston, with how his move across town to them went with him being injured for a large period of it and needing an operation and coming back to us. I think he has a bit between his teeth and, and you know, he's missed this, this whole season really through injury and until the semi-final. So he has he has a, a lot to prove, I would say, against them. And then who's going to frustrate him? Hopefully all 11 of us because, as you say, mate, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's no, you know, understatement about their quality at New Zealand level. They are the, they are the best team in the country by, by quite a distance, I would say, if, if we're being honest. But in a one-off game, why not? Like I, I love these occasions for a start, and I want to play against the best players that I can. So hopefully, I can frustrate them a bit at the back as well. So we'll, we'll see how we go. Yeah, you, you mentioned your brother-in-law there, not long back from injury. Does that mean you're going to have to do his running for him, Stephen? Definitely not, mate. I think everyone else is going to have to do our running for us. If you, yeah, if you come and watch me play, mate, I'll be trying to be parked up in one spot in the middle of that back three and and not doing too much about from heading it and kicking it. Definitely not, definitely not running that. And looking at a bit more, um, with a bit more focus into who's going to stop them, Joe Knowles and goal, a youngster, part of this New Zealand under-20s team that's going away to qualifiers uh, later on next month. Um, he's going to be called upon in some large moments. I can imagine getting a crystal ball out. How has he been this season and how much progression have you seen from him? 
I think Joe's a really, my favourite thing about Joe is um, he communicates like he's a you know a thirty year old as a goalkeeper and he has a, has a good you know he's, he has a, he's not the biggest stature for you know he's still a young lad but he has a, a great presence about him between the sticks and just his maturity is really really good like as soon as he, he come in I was quite taken aback with how well he communicates for his young age and then also the lads Jackson Arian and him were you know in that twenty squad I think we're really appreciative of that that you know they can hopefully stick around and play this game before they before they go away. Which we, I'm appreciative that they'll miss a couple of games over there, kind of sacrifice that international experience to to help us try and win a Chatham Cup. So them three are going to be huge if we can get it done and get them here. And, and Joe's going to be a massive part of it. Cause he, keepers have to make big saves to win games, mate. You know that. Ah, oh, absolutely, Hoyley. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for me uh, as regularly as I would have no, wanted. No, no. But, oh, well, you were at the back then. You were, you had a cigar on most of the time, mate. So don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, don't worry. Ivan gets enough of that spotlight, mate. <laughs> um, speaking of defenders though Calvin Carlaw, um how is he going to be deployed in this game because we've kind of seen him on the right hand side of the defence is he going to be used to nullify a particular threat or is he just going to be given the opportunity to play as he normally would I, look I think he'll I think he'll play on the right hand side of, of us if we if we play the three you know if we look at a four I think he'd be a full back he's not a centre back in a, in a two man defence but if we play the three I think he'll be on the right hand side and he's Look, if, if I were an Auckland City forward, I'd be trying to rotate and get to the other side of the field because it's no doubt that Kelv's, you know, with his all-white caps and stuff, a top, top-tier defender in New Zealand. So I'd be trying to stay away from him and definitely come and play on me instead of him. So we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how he gets on and hopefully he can, hopefully he can protect me a little bit and, and help us out. Um, Stephen, before we let you go, I mean, you, you've mentioned Auckland being, you know, a very good side, and of course they haven't lost the game yet this season. But how? What weird... a time to lose one! Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, that's when the pressure's on, right? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure... back, Ricardo. I love it. I, I, I'm sure you won't be mentioning that in the tunnel as you're about to run out there. But, uh, but... I... So, go on, go on, go on. I was going to say, where do you think they are vulnerable? Where do you think there is a weakness there that you guys can try and exploit? Look, they're, they're, look, they're, I've got a lot of friends in that team, and, and I have I have nothing but respect for the quality of them. They're, 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 they're the best team on the continent. Just answer the question, Stephen, please. <laughs> I, I am. I'm going to look. I, I think that I think the thing that can get them is they don't get challenged week in week out with the teams that they play against now at the level of the NRFL. So in a one-off game, if you get in the face and you get after them, I manage to kick a few of them. Why can't we ruffle them up and see if we can't find the rhythm and and what we can do? It's it's you know a bit of fighting talk, but it's, it's a lose lose game for them. If they win, their celebration will not be as big as mine. If I win, I'll tell you that for free. So you know I, it's a free hit for Eastern Suburbs. So why not enjoy it as much as we can and and try and try and um, try and do them. Last thing, last thing I'll say to you is I, I I know how much quality they've got. So I hope if they were to beat us, that it's through their quality and not us not being at it and letting them score a sloppy goal or something. I want to come off that field and. If I've lost a Chatham Cup final, I want to say I want to applaud how good they've been. Not, not that we didn't show up. So that will, that's kind of my mindset going into it. I love that a little bit of spice there. The underdogs barking, Ricardo. They definitely. Um, Stephen, thank you very much for coming on and uh, having a chat. Uh, we'll, we'll let you get to bed. No, thank you very much, mate. I'll, uh, I'll catch you guys soon. Thank you very much. Lovely. Yeah, cheers, Hoyley. Thank you. Stephen Hoyle from Eastern Suburbs here, of course. The Chatham Cup final next Sunday at uh, North Harbour Stadium. Uh, the Kate Shepherd Cup final is before that as well between Auckland United and Northern Rovers. It's nine away from nine here on SENZ, the world of football. Ricardo Ball, Jacob Spoonley with you. And Ben Bate joins us, the head coach of Northern Rovers. Women's team, they are in the Kate Shepherd Cup final. G'day, Ben. How are you doing? 
Very well, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, it was a tight game for you in the semi-final, wasn't it? It went to Pens against uh, Dunedin. Uh, what, what do you think you and your team, your team learned from that? Yeah, I think uh, Dunedin pushed us really hard. Um, they came out, they were really physical, um, and they, they scored goals at the right time, which I think was the key for them. I think we had them on the ropes, and then they popped up with a good uh, equaliser, and then same thing, sort of in the injury time, we scored another good goal, and then, uh, yeah, they managed to grab one just before halftime of injury time, uh, sorry, of extra time, which was a bit of a killer for us. Just took that momentum away from us, and then, uh, yeah, penalties is always a bit of a lottery, and, and luckily we came out on top. So looking forward to the final, Ben. Introduce us to your team. Who are some players that we can expect to have a real impact on this game? Well, I think we've... Uh, our, our captain, Talisha Green, you know, she's been around uh, the club now for five or six years. Uh, she's uh, still a youngster herself, she's only 21. But uh, playing out of fullback, used to be a winger, but uh, converted as a fullback a couple of years ago. Very aggressive, loves to get forward, loves to tackle, uh, definitely leads by example. Uh, we've got a couple of really good younger players as well. So Daniel Canham plays through the middle, uh, still only 16, 17 years old, but second top scorer this year, uh, really good reader of the game, uh, scored some great goals from midfield. Uh, and then I think two players that we signed this year that have made a huge impact on the team, uh, Michaela Foster uh, as, a, as a central midfielder. She's been a revelation. Uh, I think she scored 12, 14 goals this year. Now I lose track, she scored so many. Uh, and got 14 assists as well. So she's had a massive influence on the game. Uh, and then Chelsea Elliott at the back uh, has made a huge influence in terms of shoring up our defence and, yeah, just making sure we're not conceding silly goals. <laughs> I, I think, in a way, it's, you know, the as a coach, it's probably you shredded all your nails and you might have taken up smoking again, Ben, uh, going through extra time <laughs> and, and penalties. But in a way, it sets you qu- up quite nicely for a final because it, it's almost a, a bit of a dress rehearsal. I mean, if, if things are tight against Auckland United and you have to do the extra time and you have to do the pens, uh, you've been there, done that. Absolutely. I think, you know, in terms of that experience, that was, that was you know, gold, really. Um, it would have worked out differently if we lost on pens. But, um, yeah, it definitely came through it. And the girls showed great resilience to be able to get through 120 minutes of football and obviously keep the nerve at spot kicks, which, you know, is, is one of the hardest things to do in the sport. What about Auckland United then? What do you know about your opponents and, and, and what are you looking for from them that you have to stop them doing? Well, uh, due to our league and the nature of it, like we've already played them twice already. Uh, we're going to play them again in the Cup. We're going to play them twice again in the National League. So... We know each other relatively well by now. Um, and, yeah, they're a, they're a really effective team. Um, they've got a lot of threats all over the field. They can score goals from pretty much anywhere. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, we're definitely wary of, of their threats. We know they've got pace in, in, in wide areas, and, and they look to get behind a lot. Uh, and they're very combative in midfield. So it's going to be a real a real battle in there, and, and we just need to make sure that we uh, keep it tight, do the right things, and... Obviously, make most of the hurting them on the counter-attack when we can as well. Yeah, okay, mate. Well, I'm looking forward to the final. I'm going to be there, of course, uh, next Sunday at uh, North Harbour Stadium. Uh, just quickly, mate, uh, I just had a look at whereabouts uh, in the world you went to university. Um, you, you disappointed you got out of Deadpool Town before it all got overtaken? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, a couple of my good friends still, still working and around the club, so... Um, yeah, uh, probably mistimed that one a little bit. If I'd have stayed on for another 10 years, who knows what could have happened. But uh, yeah, pretty incredible to see what's happening back, back over in Wrexham. And yeah, just the, the massive change that's happening on there. And it's quite wild to see 
yeah, some of your mates on TV on, on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah, indeed, mate, indeed. All right, hey, listen, Ben, thanks very much for coming on. Best of luck in the final as well, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you after that. Yeah, go well, mate. Really appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Uh, ben Bate there, the coach of Northern Rovers Football Club, uh, the women's team in the Kate Shepherd Cup final. Great against club, Auckland, Ricardo. You know. Yeah, Great it's Glenfield club. Rovers and Forest Milford combined, right? Exactly, mate. With yeah. a little bit of Jacob Spoonley in there. Uh, with a bit, you can never have too much Jacob Spoonley. <laughs> that's what they, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Uh, coming up in the next hour, it is more football. We're going to talk Champions League. We're going to talk transfer windows. We're going to talk English Premier League and uh, Jordan Canulis from SENZ, the uh, from SEN, I should say, Australia. The A League commentator is going to join us next to preview the Phoenix versus Macarthur. It's just gone 9 o'clock here on SENZ World of Football. Ricardo Ball and former white goalkeeper Jacob Spoonley with you. And uh, joining us out of Aussie is Jordan Canellis, who uh, is a commentator for the A-League for SEN over there. And I appreciate him giving us time as he's in the car on his way to go watch Oakley Cannons take on Sydney FC in the uh, quarterfinals of the Australia Cup. G'day, Jordan. How are you? Are you there, Jordan? No? Air Jordan? You there, Jordan? Air Jordan. Air Jordan. Are you there, Jordan? Yes. Yeah, we got him. Yes, I got you. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Uh, have, have you made uh, it to the Oakley Cannons ground yet for your uh, quarterfinal against Sydney FC? Uh, not yet. I'm on the way, though. I'm on route. I'm about, uh, I reckon I'm over the halfway mark, so I'm not far away now. That's good, mate. That's good. I've got Jacob Spoonley with me. Of course, played for the Phoenix, uh, played for the All Whites as well. And uh, we've been looking at the Phoenix lineup for tonight's game against MacArthur. It looks pretty solid, not too much different for, from what happened against Melbourne City. What we are interested in is MacArthur, um, given their interesting choice of a manager for this season, Dwight York. How's he been tracking? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm very curious to see Dwight York uh, and how he goes with with managing MacArthur this season because he doesn't really have a track record. This is one of his his first, or this is his first head coaching job. Or he might have had uh, managerial assistant jobs or youth teams here and there in the past, but nothing that we can really grasp a major hold of uh, as far as his managerial career goes. But I guess he's got MacArthur to this point so far in the uh, in the Australia Cup round of uh, or past the round of 16 into the quarterfinals now. So. I guess it's a good start, but that's all we can really go off so far with Dwight York. All right, enough about Australian football, Jordan. We're going to go back into the Phoenix. <laughs> um, look, we've kind of seen Ufuk Tale maintain a decent foundation. He's got continuity in terms of some key cogs in the Wellington Phoenix machine. They've added to that a full complement of international players now. Uh, they're going to be playing back in Wellington, uh, we hope, for the majority of the season, uh, if not all of the home uh, season, including some home playoff games. What can we expect from this Wellington Phoenix team in the context of the A-League? I think in the A-League season, the continuity is, is massive. There's so much player turnover, uh, just generally speaking, in the A-League from, from season to season. So if you can keep... Uh, a similar squad, if you can keep a foundation, that's always going to be helpful. That's always going to help you uh, in just your, your run to finals with team chemistry. You've got the same manager there. He's clearly building a good style. Uh, Uf has got a good, um, a good reputation. He's come through a great system as well, being at Sydney FC uh, prior to this. But I think building that, that core is, is critical. And, um, and it's a core with, with good young talent. There's a couple of older heads in there as well who are, who are, that, that's always a pivotal aspect. And then the, uh, the the foreign signings, I think I'm looking forward to seeing some of these guys. We saw a bit of uh, Kryov in the last match two weeks ago, the Bulgarian attacking midfielder who provided a bit 
um, in those in those. Looks uh, like a bit of a freight train going Phoenix. forward, doesn't he, Jordan? He is. He's, he's actually taller than what I thought. He's a lot taller than what I thought. He's um, and he can he can get the ball in the box. He's good in that transition phase, and he brings the other players in around him as well. So, um, I, to be honest, I'm I'm feeling pretty positive about Wellington. I wasn't feeling so positive this time last season about them because I didn't know what this refreshed squad was going to be. There was a lot of turnover, but now that we've seen a bit of the Phoenix from last season, we know a bit of the, the, the quality of those foreign signings. I've got a positive outlook on the Phoenix this season. We haven't even talked about, um, I think, one of the best midfielders uh, in the competition moving from Newcastle Jets to the Wellington Phoenix and Steven Yugarkovich. We're not going to see him tonight because he's cup-tied, but he, for me, is one of the more interesting signings. Clearly, um, come to Wellington as a bit of a, a launching pad, only signed a one-year deal, hoping that he'll follow potentially the likes of um, Bacchus uh, and Atkinson and the likes across to either Scotland or Europe. Um, but I see him as being potentially maybe the signing of the season um, when we look back upon the 2022-23 season. Yeah, I agree. I think Stephen Ugarkovich, he was a guy that was being spoken about the Socceroos squads at times. Um Last season was probably a bit of a roadblock. Welling, um, pardon me, Western Sydney Wanderers uh, a bit of a poison chalice at the moment, it feels like. Any time a player goes there, their career might stall a little bit. Um, so him going to, to the Wanderers last season might have just put the brakes on his career a little bit. Otherwise, he could have been a bolter for the Socceroos squad for the World Cup. So that just goes to show the quality of the guy and how shrewd the signing is. Having someone like that um, in your midfield, being a, a sturdy, um, deep-lying sort of, Playmaker slash defensive destroyer in, in midfield. He's probably more on the defensive side of things than a, than a playmaker. Uh, but I think that's I think that's a really good signing in a position of the field for Wellington, which has had quality in there. Um, but having a, a name like that being the pivot, I think is I think that's a really good move. So I'm I'm curious to see how he goes. I think it'll be a good season for him. I completely wrote off his time at Wanderers, to be perfectly honest. I just went straight back to yeah. Newcastle. Yeah, well, I, was, I was just going to say, I mean, we're looking forward to having him at the Phoenix, but he probably won't be on pins, it's fair to say, after uh, after Eden Park. Um, <laughs> hey, Jordan, I, I get, get your take on this, mate, because uh, this is the TAB over here. So this is our local bookmaker, right? Uh, the outright betting on the A-League. Melbourne City are favourites at $4. Melbourne victory four fifty. Sydney FC seven fifty. Wellington Phoenix mm-hmm. are last at $36. Uh, that's ridiculous. I think that's pretty ridiculous. I think that's um, that's that's actually more ridiculous that it's the New Zealand bookies that are saying that. Yeah. I feel like I would. Think, we're proactively uh, tool popping the situation, Jordan. <laughs> that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Melbourne City. Melbourne Victory. That's going to be. That's you know based off last season. They'll be up there. Um, Sydney FC. People love Sydney FC, even if they're not going to have a great season. But Phoenix, I think, should be at least. Top four, Six, I'm maybe. thinking. Yeah, what, what yeah. are you what are you thinking? I reckon aspirationally, like you want to challenge the likes of Victory and City. I think they're going to be in that conversation. There's a little bit for me, Jordan. Um, they're kind of in this little peloton with Adelaide and potentially. I mean, the the big uncertainty for me is Perth and what they do with Zadkovic taking the team forward. They look to have recruited well, but we're not quite sure what kind of direction they're going to have. And then Newcastle, if Newcastle can get up and away they're going to not only take points off teams like they did last year, but they could potentially become a bit of a force themselves. So where do you kind of see it playing out at the moment? Um, and what should the Phoenix realistically be aiming for? I think I think making finals is a, is a realistic possibility. I think right now there's a couple of volatile teams in the league uh, at the moment. So Perth, we saw last season, that, that was a volatile season from them. Um, it, I don't know if it's going to be 
it, it might be a little more stable this season for Perth, but having a, a, a rookie manager in Ruben Zadkovic um, might just, you know, might be a little slow moving for, for Perth out of the gates. Brisbane are, are always a bit of a volatile team as well, just because Warren Moon likes the, um, the youth a lot. He plays a lot of youth. Um, so will they have the um, the legs to go the journey? But I think the I think Wellington Phoenix have that stability that I spoke about earlier. Having that core of the squad, uh, I think a lot of the players in that team are underrated. Plus they've managed well, not I shouldn't say managed. That's undermining. But they've brought in um, good talent. They've brought in Costa Barbarusas. They've brought in those foreign signings that you named, Priyev and, and Jan Sasse, the Brazilian, among others. So I think I think finals um, is not out of the question at all. I think it's I think that should be a very realistic game for the Phoenix. What about uh, then tonight's opponents? I know Jacob didn't really want to talk about Australian football, but I do have to ask because that that MacArthur team last season, <laughs> I, their their whole recruitment strategy seemed to be let's buy the best player from every other team and put them in our team, um, and it didn't work. Um, it I doesn't know, work, Ricardo. I, no, I think that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they've won four nil and six nil <laughs> in the uh, in, in the Australian Cup so far against non A League teams. Have you seen any of them? Uh, what's their recruitment been like? Is it going to be a similar squad? Uh, I think it's going to be a similar squad. There's been a couple of players who have come and gone. I think Daniel Alzani's in this team this season, which is um, it's going to be uh, fun. I think in, in, would be one word to describe him seeing back in the league. Um, uh, there was a few soft spots in their in their team last season. They, they didn't really have a central midfielder all year. They had to convert a couple of players like Tommy Orr, who was a winger, into being a centre mid. Uh, oh, he's just gone down a hole. Deeper. There was, there was, yeah, there was, there was, um, there was gaps in that team last season. So how does Dwight York address those? I don't have. I'm driving at the moment, so I don't have the, the full transfer list in front of me right now, but. Um, but I know that there has been turnover. There's been turnover at the back as well with some of their defenders. The system that they use, is it, is it different from um, from what we've seen in the Australia Cup so far to when we reached the league? Um, you probably think not. This is a bit of a warm-up, isn't it, for, the, um, for some of the, the coaches and their systems into the A-League. But MacArthur, I, I'm, I'm a bit... It's, it's a very unknown thing, to be honest. I, I don't really have any strong convictions either way on MacArthur just because... I don't know what to expect from Dwight York. The turnover from the squad is is has been slightly heavy, but the players they bring in have a lot of um, have a lot of experience uh, and 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 pedigree. So uh, I think I don't think we're going to see them down the bottom by any means, MacArthur. I still think I still think they'll be uh, a team who they could finish as high as top four this season, MacArthur. They do have the player who um, has the most punchable face in the league, though I think, and and, and Lachlan Rose. Oh, you reckon? <laughs> I like Lucky Rose. Yeah, well, he's just... that's come from nowhere, oh. by the way. He <laughs> <laughs> was just—I was just going through the squad, and I was like, oh, I remember him from last year. He used to—I used to get wound up watching him. He—I uh, he, mean, if he was—if he was he's in the Phoenix team, you'd player. probably love him. But uh, you know, yeah, oh, he's, he's a crafty player. He's a good sort, though. He's—he's he's dynamic up front. I didn't really expect him to play as a as a striker at times, but. He filled a need, and, and he did that to a uh, to pretty decent effect at times last season when they needed him up front. Yeah. And just pivoting away from club... people in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and, and club um, trans-Tasman rivalry, uh, Jordan. If we can now look at your national team, and I've got to still say I am uh, I'm salty, mate, because you guys are on your way to the World Cup in Doha, and... I appreciate that in isolation. Wish you all the best. We're not going, though, because 
for some reason we had a goal taken off us. We couldn't score for the rest of the game against a Costa Rican side that was largely underwhelming. But we do get to play you guys in Brisbane, which is kind of like small New Zealand, Mm. and then back in Auckland um, within a couple of days. Farewell games uh, for both teams before you guys go off and do your thing at the World Cup. What do you think that squad is going to look like? Because I imagine there's, it's largely going to be made up of players um, of Socceroos who will go to the World Cup. But there'll be a couple of little gambles, I think, with Arnie. He'll want to see a couple of questions answered over the course of those two games. And who's going to be the players that you see that are on the periphery at the moment that could make their way into the squad if they get a decent 180-odd minutes under their belts against New Zealand in September? Uh, I think there's so the, the positions that spring to mind right now would be uh, one of them is striker. There hasn't been a, a solid soccer striker really since Tim Cahill, but the pool of players that we have at strikers at the striker position has remained consistent. So Jamie McLaren, Mitch Duke, Adam Taggart, uh, when he's been fit, and and then we've had a couple of others here and there that have floated in it. Like, we had Bruno Fornaroli come in for a game or two when he got his uh, his citizenship. So He's Uruguayan, Jordan. Is, that's, no. Well, well he, I saw him wearing the green and gold, so he's Australian as far as we're concerned. Um, yeah, but the pool has been consistent with striker. Um, it's just who is who's going to be the starter is, is the main uh, question. Uh, Graham Arnold loves Mitch Duke. Jamie McLaren's been the, the two- or three-time reigning golden boot winner in the A-League now. Um, does he bring in someone like Jason Cunnings, who is the he's the name on everyone's lips over here? Um, his half season last year with the Mariners when he came in was was scintillating. He knows how to find the back of the net. He's good in the final third. Uh, that's one of the bolters. Um, the other position is um, is at fullback. Uh, so we've got Aziz Vage at left back, who I think is a lock, but right back is still a question. Um, Frank Karacic, who's been based in in Italy now in the Serie B. And uh, Nathaniel Atkinson, who has gone over to Scotland, they're, they're only fairly new to the system. Um, they both performed reasonably well in those qualifiers against the UAE in Peru a couple of months ago, uh, but it's still open. So will someone like Lewis Miller, who was at the Mariners last season, he's gone to Scotland now, will he be someone who can be a bolter? Um, he wasn't bad playing for the Oli Roos a couple of months ago as well. So that's another position that, uh, that can be looked at. The rest of the squad, I think... I would say 19, 18, 19, 20 players probably pick themselves, but there's a couple of positions for for some bolters. So there's just a couple of names for you. But um, I think most of the positions, it, it, I, I wouldn't think the, the starting 11 anyway deviates too much from, uh, from the Peru and UAE match. And there isn't really much time for the A-League players to prove themselves either because they've only got six weeks of the A-League to... To, to play before the World Cup. So those who are in Europe right now have the big advantage because their season is already started. I'll introduce you to a couple of names um, that you might get familiar with over the course of the games. Joe Bell, Marco Staminich, and Matt Garbett. And I know that's kind of coming in quite hot, but they're going to be the foundation of our team for the next decade. Um, Matt Garbett and Marco Staminich... They are thoroughbreds, Jordan. They can do pretty much everything. And uh, Marco Stamenich is on the periphery of the uh, Copenhagen squad at the moment. He made his uh, Champions League debut um, uh, in the playoff game. 
My question, though, is who will they come up against in the green and gold? Because there is a player that is near and dear to our hearts in New Zealand by the name of Cam Devlin. And if Arnie doesn't want to play him, we will have him, I think, is the opinion of most Phoenix uh, fans. There's a couple of players on that fringe, isn't there? There's Devlin, there's also Johnny Stensmith as well, who's already uh, been penciled yeah, in no, for the, the, the yeah, We can't have that. Or, no, Jordan, come I, on, man. Come on, this is a Kiwi <laughs> I know, show. I, I, just, I have to fly back. I have to fly back. Um, <laughs> Devlin has been... He, he's been performing lights out in, in Scotland at the moment. His, uh, his game a couple of nights ago um, for Hearts, I think he was... If he wasn't man of the match, he was close to... He had another great performance... Um, in just their most recent game. But his, his season last year, uh, his start to this season has been great. So I think, I would love to see him play, to be honest. I think he's, um, the centre of midfield has been, uh, that's probably another position I could have spoken about before, centre of the park. It just it feels like right now it's pretty uh, almost settled with Moy and, and Irvine in there. But we haven't had a, a good holding midfielder really since Millet Jednak retired. So Cam Devlin is not as big as Jednak, but he's, he is... Uh, he's compressed, mate. He's concentrated Yedinak. That's what he is. Mate, he's, a, he's, he's a pocket rocket Yedinak. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to see him. And um, I think he would add... I mean, he's got the quality, clearly. He's got the quality. He was so impressive in his time in the A-League. And he's continued that form over in Scotland. So, I don't know what the hold-up is for Graham Arnold. I, I've got a question for you. It's, it's uh, Socceroos adjacent. Um, given that there was the uh, Celtic 9, Dundee United 0 uh, recently, is Mark yeah. Bittigitti the new Michael Theocletus? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, he might be. He might be. He's, um, well, he didn't. He didn't. He was. He was on. He was on the field for that Champions League 9 0 but he was on the bench, wasn't he, for Dundee the other night against Celtic? So he didn't concede those goals. But um, it hasn't been a. Uh, hasn't been a bright start for him, has it, over in Scotland? And this is a guy who uh, a lot of people were saying, why isn't he the third choice keeper for the Socceroos uh, over someone like Andrew Redmayne, who, who ends up being our, uh, our qualifying hero? Uh, but Birrigidi's, I mean, you guys have seen him, you know what he's like in the A League. He's been one of the best shot stoppers when he's been here. But, um, but I don't know. How, do you, how would you guys explain it? Going from the A League to then going overseas and then everything just doesn't feel like it fits in right. That's probably what Mark Birrigitte is feeling like right well, now. Well, Jordan, you've come, you've come to the right place, mate, because um, not only am I a player that went to Europe and it didn't quite happen, I'm also a player that used to wear the gloves. So, yeah, it's a, it's an incredibly competitive environment, and I think Jurgen Klopp explained it the best. He said that football, particularly in Europe, is like a train, and if you're late, you're late, and it leaves without you. And I feel like, um, although I don't want it to happen, that might be happening to Mark Birrigitte at the moment. Um but just coming back to more important things, mate. Um, who, are, who, who, who is the uh, who are the players that the Socceroos will have their eye on um, that will provide a threat in the white and black? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, how 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 strong will your squad be? Do you reckon? Uh, from what I understand, we will have a full-strength squad coming back. This is effectively our second leg of our Intercontinental Playoff, Jordan, and the boys have a real emotional tie to this. Um, so they're trying to do everything they possibly can to put themselves in position. We've had a couple of ACL injuries, so the likes of Francis DeFries, um, our uh, our second-choice left-back, um, obviously Alex Roof is out as well. So there are a couple of injuries that are keeping um, some players out, but... The majority of players will be there and they are really going to enjoy this. The pre-sales for the game in Eden Park are through the roof at the moment, mate. We're hoping for a sellout at this particular point. 
Well, Chris would be starting, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I would say so unless he gets injured. It might sound like a low-hanging fruit, but that is going to be... I think that's going to be one test that... Um, and it, that'll depend on our squad as well and how fit some of our defenders are because the one defender that Arnie loves is Harry Sutar, who's the big two-metre-tall centre-back um, playing in England at the moment, and he's recovering from an ACL injury. Um, but he should be back just in the nick of time, I would think, for the World Cup. And, uh, and those warm-up games, or those uh, farewell games, I should say, against New Zealand will be a massive test for him just to get um, back on the international stage, playing against a quality striker like Chris Wood. Um, I think that's going to be one of those uh, one-on-one battles on the field that'll actually be quite crucial to Australia's preparation for the World Cup. So that's probably the one I'd be looking closest at. Well, I want to introduce you to our left-hand side, mate, which is Libby Kakache, who is playing Serie A at the moment for Empoli. Yeah. Um, Matt Garbett, who is on the fringes, and he's going to break through in Torino this year. So we're going to have a very Italian-dominated left-hand side. And then Elijah Just has just moved from FC Helsingor into AC Horsen. So he's playing Superliga along with the likes of Joe Bell and Marco Stamanich, mate. So if I can... Give you any tips, mate? It would be just to give your um, right-hand side of defence a bit of a heads-up because they are very dynamic, mate. But I think the most important question that we've got for you, because you're obviously on your way to Oakley Cannons and Sydney FC while we sit here and watch Wellington Phoenix and MacArthur FC, um, is what is the half-time meal going to be, Jordan, this evening for you? The half-time meal is going to be a souvlaki Mm. at uh, Oakley. Oakley are a a Greek, uh, historically Greek club, so... Um, I was here a few weeks ago and they played uh, Brisbane City, it was, in the round of 16, and I had one. Pretty good. So it's lucky again tonight at halftime. For Only pretty good, Jordan. Pretty good, pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm partial to Heidelberg United, who are up uh, in the north of Melbourne, which is the region where I am, and Heidelberg also. Yellow and black, mate. Exactly, they do a very good Suvlaki, so I think that ranks number one for me, but Oakley's is a, a close second. Oh, second. All right, the Suvlaki. Uh, uh, you get it all here on the world of football. Uh, halftime meal tips, Suvlaki ratings, and uh, we even talk football from time to time. Hey, Jordan, um, really appreciate your time, mate. Uh, go well. Enjoy your game tonight, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, eh? Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, go well. Gordon Cornelis there from SEN Australia. A-League commentator going to a game just to watch it and have a beer and have a Suvlaki. Oh, mate, nothing better. How good. How good. It is 22 past nine. I have the MacArthur team. Oh, go on. Okay, so, uh, but they've done it in numerical order rather than positional, which is annoying. Uh, because we're, about to, uh, we're about to see Ricardo's understanding of A-League teams. At the well, so we'll, we'll Philip, go for it. Give us a, give us a, Philip Curdo's wearing number 12 and he's halfway, in the, he's halfway down the list, right? So Philip Curdo in start. goal. Yeah, uh, they've got McGing playing. Uh, Aspropotamus. Uh, Usuk and I'm going to say Toure across the back. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got uh, De Sil- Daniel De Silva and then Davia will be uh, probably the attacking midfielders. Uh, Vuka and Carter up wide and then Arzani up top maybe with Bacchus in the middle as well. Does I'm picking a right? 4-3-3 from that at yeah. the moment. Yeah, uh, Dwight York did um, employ that, but he has been known to employ a four-four-two as well. So it'll be an interesting one. I reckon what they'll try and do is provide themselves with a bit of a foundation to nullify the Wellington Phoenix. MacArthur aren't as bedded in as Wellington are. They will have seen that they are a bit of a force when they do get their foot on the ball and start to really suffocate teams, and I think they'll try and set up for that. They don't want to give away any cheap goals tonight.
No, they don't. They can't afford to against this Phoenix team who are travelling uh, pretty damn well. Uh, and, you know, that's the last thing the Aussies want is uh, the Phoenix in an Australian Cup final. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, it is 23 past nine here on SENZ, the world of football, Ricardo Ball. Jacob Spoonley with you. When we come back, we'll dissect the Champions League team, uh, groups. This is SENZ Extra Time. We are in the middle of the world of football with Jacob Spoonley. And uh, Spoons, uh, you're a proud Liverpool fan. You're not quiet about it. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the draw for the Champions League? Ajax, Napoli, Rangers. Proper European football, Ricardo. A- absolutely. And I mean that in like the most unkind of biased way. And I appreciate you've got your United kit on tonight. But... A, a trip away to Ibrox, a trip to Amsterdam, and then a trip to Napoli. What, what more can you ask for in terms of um, European nights? Uh, and then you get to have three nights at Anfield where it's rocking, where the fans will be about it. And I think European football this year will probably be the calibration point for this Liverpool team. They're not quite there at the moment. I think they're light in midfield. They're going to need someone to step up and... We'll probably be see a bit of a stumble here and there over the course of the Premier League season, but they will get up and someone will get their confidence. They'll get their shoulders uh, broad. They'll say it with their chest in one of these European nights. It's interesting you say that about the midfield for Liverpool because it, uh, obviously they've got James Milner, who's famously been around for a while, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. Uh, not a lot of creativity in the midfield when Thiago's not there. Um, now they've got Harvey Elliott and uh, the kid whose name escapes me, they signed from Fulham. So you've got... Carvalho. Yeah, Carvalho. So you've got a couple of young guys who've got promise. You've got old um, Darren Sicknote Anderton's um, love child and um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's never fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the players I mentioned, plus Naby Keita, who seems to have fallen out with Klopp. Um, he's gone in a year's time and, and isn't uh, been offered a new deal. Um, how worried are you if Liverpool don't sign another midfielder between now and the, start of, uh, the end of the window? By and large, I buy into the recruitment process that Liverpool have got. They've got, um, they've had some wonderful um, recruitment specialists in the likes of Edwards. I can't remember the guy's name that they've got in now who's replaced him. Um, and they have basically hit with a number of their big investment signings. What every Liverpool fan seems to know and is the worst kept secret in the world is that they are after Jude Bellingham at the moment. And he would be the kind of solution to this problem at the moment. And it wouldn't be that he'd provide a creative outlet. It would be more that their midfield would be their dynamic part and they would be able to overwhelm teams, which would make things a lot easier for their front three to deal with. And they would be able to do that by themselves. So I... I'm looking at it and there needs to be a bit of a band-aid between now and the end of the season and they do need to bring in some sort of creative alternative to Thiago. Um, I'm not sure if Ben's trying to phase me out here at the moment or if he's just um, giving me a little bit of background music. But it is one of those situations where it's got to be in Klopp that we trust. Here's something. Here's an idea. And I, I don't I felt know like if, I was at the Oscars there for yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah. Here's an idea for you and I don't know if, Klopp, if, if it's on Klopp's radar or even if it's a good idea. But, you, you know, we mentioned Thiago's had his injury problems. The fact that, say if you play Fabinho and one of Henderson or Milner um, as, you know, a solid, almost like a dual pivot six, given how how deep he tends to drop anyway, and the fact you've signed Darwin Nunez, is turning Robert Firmino into that player an option? Well, what they were doing last year is that they kind of started off on paper 
um, on a 4-3-3, but in possession in particular, they changed to a 4-3-3. So what they were doing is that they were playing their wingers higher in advanced positions to really attack the space centrally from out wide. And then what they were doing is dropping Firmino into more of an attacking um, midfield role. And so to your point, I actually think he suits that, particularly with the likes of um, uh, Luis Diaz and Salah. The problem is, though, that you've got the the evolution. You've got Darwin there, and he's a, he's a now now number nine. He's, I like what you did there, the evolution. Yeah, thank you, Darwin. mate. Uh, I'm all about it. They're two degrees, Ricardo. <laughs> um, so you have to play a, a number nine, and if that's the system that you want to play with the wingers attacking in behind, then you've got a real question of what you do with Darwin. So um, I think Klopp set out his stall. He said that I'm going to go with a, a number nine, so the alternate um, formation is going to be a 4-2-3-1 not uh, to the 4-3-3 to the three, three rather. So I I look at it and Firmino's role, it becomes quite awkward because the team has to then adjust between having an out-and-out number nine, which means you can push your wingers out wide, or Firmino comes in, he wants to make the midfield more compressed. He wants to be able to play in those tight spaces, which means that people need to get around him. So changing between those two extremes is going to become quite difficult for Liverpool at this point in time, or at least the answer is not quite clear. Um, it's something I was I was listening to a, uh, a podcast out of the UK, and they were talking about the groups going through the groups, and something that I didn't remember, but they brought up that Napoli have actually got a really good record against Liverpool yeah. in recent times in the Champions League. So, I mean... Is is number one is finishing top of this group um, something you're worried about, or do you, do you think Napoli have got enough to unseat Liverpool from winning this group? I think you just want to make the top two, to be perfectly honest. And I think Liverpool that that, that task is very doable if you look at it. Um, Ajax are a beatable side. They are at some phase in their cycle where they're looking to build a team up and then sell it. And I think they've been selling for the last couple of. Um, as you just see the Phoenix at the post there, Ricardo. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, that, that they have been selling. So I, I don't imagine they're going to be at their best. Rangers, as much as I love the man, um, Gordon Glenn Watson seem to you know be very excited about things. I think they're just happy to be there. So you can pick up six points from both of those teams. You put yourself right in the shop window, and then it's just basically going to come down to a bit of a, um, a race with Napoli for that top spot. So not too worried about that, mate. But if you look across the other groups, Ricardo, good Lord, there are some wonderful groups. There are also some very, very average groups. Yeah, speaking of average groups, Atletico Madrid, Porto, Leverkusen and Club Brugge. Uh, now, Club Brugge have lost their number one striker from last season, AC Milan. Leverkusen have started one and three in the Bundesliga, so they're just uh, just outside of the relegation spots. Porto, who knows what you're going to get. They're, they're the uh, uh, the proverbial box of chocolates, and Atletico Madrid haven't started particularly well either, so this could be a, quite an ugly group. There are two groups that have been described as Europa League groups, and I think this is one of those, mate. Yeah, I, I don't know who you're going to get out of that. I mean, you'd like to think that Atletico Madrid would float to the top, but I'm not quite sure. There's a lot of banana skins in that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, group C, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Victoria Pleasant. Um, I like you know, if you're the Victoria Pleasant president and that draw happens, you're just like, oh, okay, we'll take the money. Yeah, <laughs> just smile, just smile and wave, boys. That's all yeah. we can do. Yeah, uh, Barcelona. There, there are also teams that seem to gravitate towards each other in the Champions League, and I think we've seen Barcelona and Bayern Munich play each other in the knockout stages, but this time they get paired, and they get to create a wonderful. Um, a couple of European nights where you go to the New Camp and you go to the um, Allianz Stadium, Allianz Stadium. So it is another one of those European royalty type moments where you've got three that needs to go into two with Inter Milan being added to that group. 
not quite sure how this one's going to shape out. I, I'm, I'm not. My gut is Barcelona used to be the people's club. It's now just turned into a club that doesn't pay tax like other clubs in Spain. Mm. The moral kind of impetus to support them is definitely dissipated. So I'd quite like to see an upset here, and I'd like to see Bayern Munich push on through. Although they are kind of the juggernaut in the in the Bundesliga, and then maybe Inter just create a little bit of an upset. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see in these games because Bayern have been cruising it really in the uh, in the Bundesliga. Eleven, How, eleven Bundesligas on the trot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and I mean this season, I mean they they draw on the weekend with Gladbach, but Jan Sommer set a record. For the number of saves in the game, he made 19 saves. Let's talk about goalkeeping, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but what I was going to say is, they haven't really been tested in in uh, the Bundesliga yet, yet. With Barca and Inter, it'll be interesting to see how they cope without Lewandowski. Absolutely, and Nagelsmann. I think this is now his team, so there's a little bit of added pressure when it comes to that. Like he's no longer transitioning into the role. He's no longer waiting for his signings to come in. He's been given the checkbook. He's signed a couple of his boys from Leipzig, and he's delivered initially. But once you get that league under your belt, it's now what you can do in the Champions League because that's the rarefied air that he's operating in. So he'll be under a little bit of pressure in these condensed fixtures. Uh, in the Champions League, and they will want to, if not have to, make it out of the group. Um, now, Group D, Tottenham, Frankfurt, um, last year's Europa League winners, who have lost a few players, Sporting Lisbon, and Marseille, who are like the poor man's PSG, the way they're recruiting <laughs> with people like Guendouzi and Sanchez, You're not going to make any friends in the south of France this evening, Ricardo, that's for sure. <laughs> no, again, this is one of those groups where it's it's quite level, it's, it's very competitive, it might come up with um, the odd result that'll raise an eyebrow, but uh, Conte, again, I think if he gets out of this and gets into the top two, he'll have ticked a major KPI for himself this season. Yeah, uh, Conte has a terrible record in the Champions League. Did you know this? He has had, I, th- I was uh, looking at the stats the other day, when he was at Inter, he only made it out of the group stages once. Uh, I think his, it's like he played 44 games in uh, in Champions League and he only won 12. Wow. Yeah. That is horrible. Yeah, it's and a lot of it's put down to apparently he is very, very uh, detail-orientated. So once you get into the Champions League, and you're playing a league game on the weekend and a Champions League game in the week. He gets doesn't lost. have time. He gets lost. Yeah. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he copes in what is a pretty winnable group, you'd think, for Spurs. Um, we'll get on to the other four groups after this. It is 22 away from 10. It's 18 away from 10 here on SENZ, the world of football. Jacob Spoonley on the decks, uh, playing all the music tonight. Um, Jacob, we're halfway through uh, the Champions League groups. Uh, group E, Chelsea. RB Salzburg, Dinamo Zagreb, and AC Milan. I'm going to put in there my ability to control the music that's introed in after the ad breaks because this is getting quite ridiculous. <laughs> I think, Ben, are you are you looking for something? Are you, are you trying to find a particular track? No, he's just he's just shook in his head. So, um, sorry, repeat that for me, Ricardo. Uh, yeah, so Chelsea, RB Salzburg, Dinamo Zagreb, and AC Milan. Uh, that is Group E. Luckily for Chelsea, no Southampton in this group. <laughs> I actually think after after Scott Parker, it's got to be said, which was a bizarre. He must have done something, Mate, he um, did something to react. You know, like he's, he's got to have done something to undermine the authority of the the board or the management, or he's got to. Have you know, insulted the players effectively because you can't fire him after that. Anyway, that's a, 
a footnote, Ricardo. But um, yeah, you're right. I think Thomas Tuchel is under the pressure here. Yeah. I think he's absolutely under the pump. You've got new ownership at Chelsea. They've got a bit of a project in mind. I don't know if he fits that profile of the project. He's starting to whinge, which he often does when he's under pressure. So I think he's definitely on the hot seat and he'll need to come up with the goods in the Champions League this yeah. year. Salzburg have got a lot of goals. They've managed to hold on to Christopher and Cuckoo. Yes. Um, uh, who's a great player. Um, Milan will give them problems as well. Can you see uh, a world in where Chelsea are playing Europa League um, after the group stage? If Tuchel's under pressure and is not getting what he what he wants out of the team and the team starts to look the, in, in another direction, then yeah, absolutely. Mm. It'll be interesting. Group F, Real Madrid, RB Leipzig, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk and Celtic. This, I mean, this is Real all day. It's who's going to finish second, right? Yeah, so I think um, yeah, you're looking at a very clear fourth place finish. The question for me is, what can Ange Postacoglu do with this in this particular group? And yes, there are Real Madrid and they're the defending champions, but this is Ange. He just doesn't care, mate. He is like Yoda at the moment. He's he's like a, a philosophical leader of the boys in the green and the white and the hoops, and. He doesn't seem to be doing anything wrong at the moment, and more to the point, he seems to be just elevating everything he touches. It'd be interesting. I mean, Real Madrid didn't have a great group stage last. Remember, they lost to Sheriff Tiraspol um, last season at at home. Um, so the, their group stage isn't always the best. But Shakhtar Donetsk, they've lost all their Brazilians, obviously because of the Russian invasion. Um, so they're an all-Ukrainian side now. And Leipzig have been leaking goals again in Germany and not scoring many, even though they've got Timo Werner. They've got no right back. They've got three centre backs and they've got about five strikers. It's an unbalanced squad. So that that second place in that group is anyone's. Uh, and I think Ange could definitely put his hand up for that, mate. I wouldn't be surprised if Celta qualify out of this particular group. It will be a hard ask of them, but mm. I wouldn't be surprised either. Uh, group G, I know this is one that you wanted to spend a bit of time on. Manchester City, yes. Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund and FC Copenhagen. So what have we got there? We've got Kevin De Bruyne, mm-hmm. Ivan Rakitic, mm-hmm. and Jude Bellingham. Yes. And I say those particular names because we have Marco Stamenich in the Champions League, folks. That is, for me, that is probably up there with any sort of achievement from an individual athlete over the course of this year um, from New Zealand. So, um, yeah, a wonderful, a wonderful um, thing that he made his Champions League debut in the playoff game against Traps and Spore, I think is how you say it. So we're looking for him to go up against the likes of those athletes that are at the absolute peak of their game. Kevin De Bruyne have been pulling the strings in the Premier League, so we hope Marco gets his chance either at the Etihad or back in Copenhagen. Yeah, indeed. It's a, it's a fantastic group. It's a tough group, but fantastic group. Uh, this one plays into that as well a little bit. Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Benfica and Maccabi Haifa. Um, now, Benfica... I reckon are a smoky in this group just because of the way Juventus have been travelling recently. There's also a massive Portuguese population in Paris, so when they go and play PSG, it'll almost be like a home <laughs> game. Um, how do you think this this is going to play out? Is it just going to be as easy as uh, PSG are going to win it and it's between Juve and Benfica for second? Well, let's pull on that thread for a moment because we've, we've seen um, players come through this Portuguese football factory that they've got with Sporting Lisbon, FC Porto and Benfica seemingly being able to pull players off the shelf, put them in, they plug and play and they produce almost immediately. So Darwin Nunez left uh, Benfica for Liverpool. You'd expect them to really struggle without their talisman, but because it is Benfica, because it is this Portugal um, football industry that they've got going on, I'm looking for the next 
cab off the rank to really fill his shoes and to give us that kind of surprise that we seem to always expect but always continues to surprise us um, in either Porto, Sporting Lisbon or Benfica. I think it will come in this particular group. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that is your Champions League groups, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have got three minutes left of this show. When we come back, Jacob's going to give us an update on the Phoenix versus MacArthur, and we're going to talk a bit more about Scott Parker being the first Premier League manager to lose his job. This is SENZ, the world of football. Ricardo Paul, Jacob Spoonley with you. Uh, Spoons, you're on the uh, PC there. You've got the, oh, I was going to say the laptop, actually, not the PC. Uh, and you've got the game streaming. Uh, what's the score, Phoenix MacArthur? 21 minutes in, and it is nil all in the west of Sydney, rather. Uh, the Phoenix are looking pretty strong, mate, to be perfectly honest. They're starting to really take control of the game, particularly in midfield, but... Inzani and Davia are causing all sorts of problems. Ben Wayne has already hit the post and the Phoenix have had to scramble one off the goal line. So this one does promise games, uh, goals rather, Ricardo. And I think you'll probably see more than one score tonight. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to um, keeping getting that up on the big screen and having a look. Now, tomorrow morning, uh, we have a bunch of games in the Premier League, starting with Bournemouth versus Wolves. Uh, Gary O'Neill in charge of Bournemouth. Of course, Scott Parker is gone, but Wolves are struggling to score. I don't see them getting nine. <laughs> no, but I think Bournemouth are going to have to be, you know, they're going to be on their toes, mate. They're up against it now. Not only have they just been promoted to the Premier League, but they're without the gaffer that got them there. And it seems like there's a little bit of turmoil behind the scenes as well. Yeah, it does. Uh, Bournemouth are paying three thirty. The draw three twenty. Wolves are paying two dollars twenty five. Uh, Arsenal take on Aston Villa. Stevie G's Villa. Stevie G's struggling a wee bit, isn't he? He probably needs he needs a win, and I don't know that he's going to get it at Arsenal. I don't think he wants to see Mikel Arteta rolling into town, does he? No. It's, uh, no, Arsenal seem to be a team much on the fly at the moment. I'm sure they'll hit a bit of a speed bump at some point, but they are definitely the more evolved version of what they were last year, and I think they're probably going to be aiming for the top four. Yeah, I think so. Uh, West Ham against Spurs. West Ham haven't had a great start either, but this is always a tasty occasion, and it's at the London Stadium. It is, it is. I've got to be honest, Ricardo, I um, completely switched off for that because uh, <laughs> MacArthur just missed a chance. So oh. if we can go back through that. So West Ham against? Spurs. Spurs. Always tasty, even though West Ham haven't had a great start to the season. This, no. This will always th- this, throw up controversy. This 90 minutes could be the catalyst to get this season underway, and Conte will be guarding against that probability. So, um, yeah, a great London derby um, on offering to get us through the week. And uh, we also have Liverpool versus Newcastle. We don't also have. We have Liverpool versus Newcastle. Now, I'm interested in the market here. Liverpool $1.25, Newcastle 10 bucks. The draw five fifty. Whereabouts are we, Ricardo? We're it's Anfield? A, it's at Anfield. Uh, mate, tough ask. I think Liverpool have, you know, they've got a little bit of confidence rolling off that 9-0 result. They'll be looking to back things up, um, which is exactly what we want them to do. Go on, Ben. Um, I don't see this being a particularly easy ride for Eddie Howe and Chris Wood, although we do want to see the Woodsman up top for Newcastle. Um, This is definitely the one where I think Liverpool will want to make sure that they confirm their season is underway. Yep, so there you go, Jacob Swinley saying the draw at 5.50, that's where the the value is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, Jacob, thanks very much for coming in, mate. It's uh, been a pleasure having you in studio for a couple of hours talking football. I love it, mate. It is always a pleasure coming in. And um, look, we've got so much football on the cards um, from everything from All Whites uh, to Ferns to Premier League to the A-League kicking off.